Amen. So, we appreciate everybody's encouragement and support. Uh, please be praying for a healthy and successful pregnancy. But uh, we also have another special announcement. I know we have uh, Rose's parents here, her mom and dad here at the services. So please get a chance to meet them. They're back here in the back corner here. So there you go. Please get a chance to meet them, if you will, today. Uh, also, uh, from the Atlanta church, uh, we have Misty and Avis that were up here singing today, doing awesome. Thank you. You guys did an awesome job with the singing. I mean, definitely made a big impact for our worship today. And so they've been married now for five months, I believe. So great. And many of you guys remember Avis when she was here, part of the Dallas East region, before she moved to Atlanta. So very grateful for what Avis has done for this church. And it's good to have her come back and visit. So awesome. So if you will, please open up your Bibles to the book of Titus. So the thing about Titus... Is that this is a letter written from Paul specifically to Titus. So it's different from the other letters that Paul has written where they're mainly written to a church. This isn't written to a church. You're getting a personal email. Like what would Paul email somebody? If Paul had a discipleship time, had a D time with somebody, what would Paul say in a D time? You got it right here in writing. Because Paul's having to disciple him far away. And he, he couldn't do it via text. And he couldn't post it on Facebook. And he couldn't call him. So he had to write a letter. But the book of Titus reminds us that our beliefs about God should impact every decision that we make. As Christians, we must examine and re-examine our life to ask ourselves, is my life lined up with what the scriptures teach? So we'll start here with Titus chapter 3. We'll look at verses 1 through 2 for our text today. The Word of God says, Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and to show true humility towards all men. I want to move on here to the first point that is addressed here. He writes to Titus, we got to remind the people of something. You know what that tells me? As Christians, sometimes we can forget things. We have to be reminded. And he goes on here and he says the first thing we want to remind the people is we need to be subject to the rulers and the authorities. You know what that means? That means that you and I are commanded by God to submit to the government, to submit and respect all authority that is instituted on this earth. That includes the police. That includes the IRS. That includes anybody that's in authority here. Sorry, hold up a second here. Oh, sorry. Not turned on, is it? All right. Sorry about that. Better now? Great. So in Titus 3, verses 1 through 2, we are commanded, first of all, to be subject to rulers and authorities. That means that you and I must submit and obey the government. Regardless if we like or dislike that government, and regardless if we agree or disagree with that government. We are commanded by God to respect authority. We live in a society that disrespects everybody, regardless of who you are. Kids disrespect their parents. Students disrespect their teachers. 
We disrespect police officers. We disrespect the president. We disrespect the governor. We disrespect the mayor. We disrespect our spouse. We disrespect our kids. We just disrespect any and everybody and think that's okay because I'm an American. God wants us to know that will not be accepted before his throne. We are commanded to respect authority. That includes the IRS. I have gotten one of those letters from the IRS that says your taxes are not right. You owe us more money. No. I need to submit and obey. They asked Jesus, are you going to pay the tax? I'll give Caesar what is Caesar's and I'll give God what is God's. Don't play with Caesar. Amen. <laughs> Jesus, we live in a society right now where police brutality is being a big issue on TV. Am I right? Jesus himself faced police brutality at the hand of the Romans and died at their hands. And yet the Bible says he was respectful and kept his mouth shut in that situation while being falsely accused. If Jesus Christ can do it, every Christian needs to submit as well. Does that mean that makes it right? No, it does not make it right. As a black man in America, I've been pulled over by the police for questionable reasons. Uh, definitely have been in some interesting situations. You know what? That does not matter. I am commanded by God to love and respect authority. And I'm also commanded by God to love my enemies. Are you going to obey God on this issue? The Bible says to be obedient after he said that. As Christians, we must obey. We cannot think that it's okay to disrespect someone, regardless of how they act or how they treat us. Because who you are is the issue, not what happened to you. And that's a hard thing for us to deal with, because we tend to treat people the way they treat us. And the thing that God says that makes Christians different is that we're supposed to respond differently than the way people are treating us. He goes on to the next issue he commands. He says, we need to be ready to do whatever is good. We got to be ready. That means you're prepared. Did you come to church today ready to do something good? You know, I appreciate Sherman Diggs came ready to serve with the ushering and getting things prepared. You know, I appreciate Chad and Marvie. They came ready. They got the church. This place didn't just come together by itself. It didn't just fall from heaven. Someone put it together. Worked really hard to make it beautiful, make it awesome. They do such a good job. But making sure everything is ready for worship. Every time we have a meeting here. I appreciate the way Chad's always asking, how can I help with this? How can I help with that? It's just ready to do what is good. I want to thank our campus ministry. Last, last Sunday, we had an outdoor service. Now, college students like to sleep in. We threw out the challenge. Hey, can you get there an hour early to help serve our adults with getting stuff out of the car and getting stuff to the, you know, to, to the park so that people can give a hand? You know, when you got three or four kids and you're coming up with all these chairs and food and all, it can get to be overwhelming. And so we asked the college students, can you help serve? I am so thankful and proud of all the college students that got up early and they came to serve, ready to do what is good. How can I help out? They could have slept in, but they said, no, it's better for me to serve Christ. And I want to thank Chelsea Chavez. She's always serving me and my wife. She's sometimes at my house real late at night, serving, helping out. How can I help with this? How can I help out with that? She helps out with Kevin. Whatever we need, she is on it. She's on top of her A game. You know, do, are you eager to serve? 
That's different from if I beg you to serve, you'll serve. Are you eager to serve? Do you take initiative? Oh, I saw this need. Let me take care of it instead of asking someone else to deal with that situation. You know, do you, do you identify problems and do you, you yourself solve those problems? Are you the kind of person that you have a joyful attitude? And I got to be honest with you. A lot of times I don't have a joyful attitude. I'll do what is good, but I'm not ready to do what is good, you know? It's like, hey guys, let's go serve the poor. Oh, that was Saturday. I was hoping to do something else with my Saturday. Okay, amen. You know, you know, even as a minister, I can sometimes not be motivated to do what is good. Yesterday, I was at home watching football. UT was playing against Baylor. We were in the fourth quarter. Who saw this game? Okay, amen. <laughs> it was the fourth quarter. Okay. UT is losing by just a few points. There, is, there are 46 seconds left on the clock in the fourth quarter. UT is getting ready to kick a field goal. My wife walks in and goes, hey, I need for you to get the uh, grill ready because we're going to have some friends over. We need you to prepare. Like, right now. I need you to do it right now. <laughs> I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Um, no, I'm not fired up. You know, come on. I'm like, the timing of this is so interesting. They kicked a 39-yard field goal and made it, and UT won that game 35-34. I wasn't ready to do what is good. No. I wasn't. Like, this is horrible timing. Can you wait 46 seconds? Can we wait for just 46 seconds? That's all it is. You know. But you know, do you have to be begged to serve? Do you have to be convinced to help someone out? When you hear that brother's sister's sick, a brother's sister has a need, when somebody needs help moving, do people have to bribe you to come help out? Or are you like, I'm ready. I'm on it. What do you need? I'm there. You know, we are commanded as disciples to have a love and a servant heart. We can't be, what else are we doing? Okay, okay, what, how long is this going to take, you know? We, 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 we got to be different from that. Paul goes on and he says, the next issue we got to address is, we got to remind the people to slander no one. What does slander mean? I looked it up in the, in the Greek where it means to speak evil of somebody. So we are to slander no one. No one means no one. That would include your spouse. That means you can't go tell other people, you know, one time I was talking to this one guy, he goes, yeah, my, my, my wife, he goes, I don't have a navigator. I got a naggy gator. <laughs> Is that really respecting your spouse? Talking like that to other people? You know, how do you talk to other people about your spouse? What do you say about your spouse when they're around? You know? What about your boss? Your supervisor, do you slander them behind their back? You may have the worst boss in all of Dallas-Fort Worth, but God says slander no one. What about your teacher, your professor? How about the principal at your kid's school? Maybe you got a problem with the educational system. You know what? The Bible says slander no one. Uh, one of the things that I think does help me with this is my mom was a teacher for almost 40 years. And because of her role, and just seeing the stuff she had to deal with. Now, back in the day, it was like the parents were always on the teacher's side. Now, it's like the parents are always on the kid's side. We listen to a six-year-old over an adult. Okay. So, think about it. We, we, know, we got we to gotta, gotta make sure 
Hey, man, when we're dealing with issues at school, with our kids, guys, we got to show respect to the teacher. Even if we don't agree with that teacher, maybe that teacher said or did something to your kid that wasn't nice or encouraging. I have a child, too, and I know I love my little one. I don't want to see anybody hurt him. But the truth of the matter is, I still have to be respectful and loving towards any and everybody, and I can't talk behind their back. Okay, I won't say anything to your face. I'll just go behind your back and tell other people about it. Well, no, that's not okay. We, gotta show, we can't slander people from other races. We love talking about other races and how they are, and they're always this way. And they're, uh, uh, No, no. Slander no one. Different types of backgrounds. Sometimes when people are different from us, we tend to be quick to judge and to stereotype people. That's just not like Christ. We also can't slander our brothers and sisters. You know... Here's the thing I found about myself. If I have a problem with somebody, I can tend to have a critical thought. Let's say that they do something I don't like. I have a critical thought. It starts there in my mind. I have a thought. And then from that thought, it goes to opinions and judgments I make about that person. And then from there, it goes to my heart starts boiling about this person. I start to get some angry and I, I don't want to be around them. And I kind of want to distance myself from them. And I tend to find, I'm quick to find other little faults in them too. And they say, you know, I got a list. Well, I got 50 things I don't like about this person. You know, I don't like him. And then I start talking to other people about it. Yeah, yeah you know, did you, yeah, you know, I make a comment. You know, it may be a joke or uh, maybe just some slight comment. And then they say, you know, it grows and it gets to be another comment. Then they say, you know, I'm talking to everybody about this person. Huh? What's wrong with them? And what I don't like about them. You know, God doesn't want us doing that. We will kill the kingdom of God by doing that. It's not the world I'm concerned about. It's the disciples within. We will destroy this quicker than any non-Christian will. We will. And we don't want to destroy something God's been building for thousands of years because we got an attitude with somebody. I mean, we can burn this thing down overnight, guys, because this thing is held together through relationship. None of us are here by force. We're all here volunteering, you know, by volunteer method. You know, we, we have to love one another. You know, God wants us to love people. And when people sin against us, he wants us to go talk to them. And then he wants us to try to resolve the issue. Okay? We can't just blow it off. Well, you know, it really wasn't that bad. It's okay. I ain't going to sweat it. Well, why are you still talking about it? Obviously, you're sweating it if you're still talking about it. If you're still thinking about it, and you're still talking about it, it's not over. That means you haven't forgiven it yet. That means you need to go get some help. You need to go talk to them. And don't go talk to five of the brothers before you go talk to them. Go talk to them first, right? Let me tell you what he did. Oh, he did that to me too, man. You know, it's like, okay, how is this helping the fellowship? You know, I think one of the things that God wants us to be careful of, for those of us who are parents, is be careful what we say around our kids. When our kids hear a slander, another brother or sister in the church, and they hear a slander of people that go to their, that maybe, maybe teachers at their school or parents at their school, whatever, uh, they hear us slander our boss. Our kids are learning this garbage. Our kids are learning that it's okay to use your tongue to speak evil. Our kids are listening. They are, they are little tape recorders. This is why God doesn't want us slandering. You don't want to pass that evil down to your kids. Because then they'll talk about you behind your back. 
You know, it amazes me in college how much, how many kids disrespect their parents. You get with kids and they start talking, mom, my dad is this and my mom is that. Because I lead the campus ministry here. And you start hearing kids on campus just talking about their parents. And I'm going, I'm a parent and I know what all I do for my son. And I'm sure your parents are doing all this stuff for you too. And yet you're up on campus grumbling about how they control your life and they won't let you do nothing. They're always on your case. Don't they pay for everything you own? How can you criticize your parents? Am I right about that? For those of us, guys, we can't slander our parents. We cannot. They pay for everything, almost everything you own as a kid, probably as an adult too. They taking care of you when you were sick. They did things for you that caused them sacrifice and no sleep. They worked hard to give you what you needed and then you take that and then you go slander them but with your friends. Is that really righteous? You know, we got to ask ourselves, what's coming out of my mouth? Who, am I, who have I been talking bad about this week? It's kind of hard to say no one. I mean, how many words have you said in the last seven days? There had to be at least one evil word that was said about somebody, somebody, somewhere. And you got to ask yourself, hey man, am I going to repent of that? Am I going to stop slandering people and really use my mouth for good? And if you don't have anything nice to say, just be quiet. Just be quiet. Just go, hey man, I need to work through my attitude. And I need to go probably get some help with that attitude. Hey bro, instead of saying that, well, brother so-and-so is da-da-da, maybe you should say, hey, you know what? I've been feeling bitterness and anger towards this brother, and that's not right. And I'm not loving him the way I should. I think I need some help and some prayer with overcoming my bitterness rather than focusing on what he did. Amen? Amen. Somebody else we can't slander is we can't slander the president. I don't care who gets elected on November whatever. You can't slander Donald Trump. You cannot slander Hillary Clinton or whoever else, Daffy Duck, whoever else gets elected. You do not have the right to slander anyone. I know in America we go, I got freedom of speech. I can say what I want to. You can say what you want, and then God says you will give an answer to him for every careless word you spoke. So we got to just shut up about the issue. We go, look, Jesus is Lord, not Donald Trump, not Hillary. It doesn't matter who's on, who's leading the president. It doesn't matter who's leading the United States. I know who's leading the heaven and the earth, and it's God. So I'm going to move on with him. And it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. Don't make it more than what it is. You don't have a right to slander any other political party either. If you disagree with them, just disagree and move on. Why do you have to go around telling everybody about that? And why do you have to go around speaking evil of them? I don't agree with a lot of policies, but that's between me and God. And that's not really necessary. You know, if you go to the next slide here, look at Nero. When Titus was written, Nero was leading Rome. He was the emperor of Rome between 56 AD and 68 AD. This man was having multiple affairs, involved in multiple marriages. He was known as being compulsive, corrupt. His one, he was a, a ruler of tyranny, extravagance. He expelled his mother from the palace and his mother got murdered. They think he probably arranged that. And then he turned around and blamed the Christians for the great fire that destroyed Rome, which gave him now the authorization to take Christians, dip them in oil, and set them on fire, and then use them at his palace as lights. 
This is who is leading Rome when this letter was written. And yet Paul writes, we will submit to the authorities, we will respect authority, we will slander no one. Because I'm sure the Christians were being tempted about this Nero guy, he's got something already to be talking about us. And he's like, hey, cut it off. Let's stop. Let's be quiet. Let's be righteous, guys. He goes, guys, we gotta, if they can respect and be righteous about Nero, I know we can be righteous about whatever happens in the political arena and whatever happens in our world and our society, that we're going to make sure that we're being righteous about how we use our mouth. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's look at the next one. He talks about being peaceable and considerate. Peaceable and considerate. Now he writes a little bit further in the book about Paul says, but avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these are unprofitable and useless. What does that mean? Stop arguing with people. We can argue politics all day long. We can argue about about biblical doctrine all day long. He goes, but how is that helping anybody? Stop arguing. He goes, you need to participate in these things? Throw your opinion out there. He goes, avoid it. Have you been avoiding it? Do you avoid, as he calls them, foolish? They're controversial. They're arguing. They're quarreling. He goes, dude, just, this is unprofitable. It's not producing anything. This is useless. You're not getting anywhere. You ever been arguing with somebody? You ever noticed that nobody leaves the conversation going, I learned a lot from this talk today. Man, I, man, you made some good points, man. You know, I've watched the political debates. Not one time I've ever seen anybody go, that's a good point. <laughs> I think we're wrong on this one, but you guys got it on point on that. They never say that. They never, they're never going to do that. They're never going to admit somebody else has got a good point, somebody's right. There's no way you're 100% right about everything. There's no way. But you got to ask yourself, hey, can I avoid arguments? Marrieds. I'm married too. Do you know how to avoid an argument? Do you know how to avoid it? You know, you got to avoid arguing at your house. Arguing will destroy our marriages. One of the things I learned about arguing with my own wife is that it's like playing ping pong. I hit the ball to her, she hits the ball to me. I hit the ball to her, she hits the ball to me. And nobody's letting up, right? And the second one of us puts our paddle down, the fight stops. If you would just... The argument would stop. It takes two people to argue. Or if you would point out a good point they made, that may make them calm down. Because they're getting mad. Because you know when you're arguing, your emotions are pumping. Yeah, and you know, right? We, we start getting really revved up, right? And we got to go, man, I got to calm down. I got to be peaceable. Philippians 2, 3 through 4 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility can, can consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. What does that mean? That means that you need to consider other people's needs before you do something or say something. Don't think about your own interests. Don't be selfish. You know, sometimes we can, this is how arguments get started, right? We start being selfish. We're thinking about, well, we just want to say how we want to get our point across. And this escalates the situation. We got to be wise. You know, ask yourself, do you look to other people's interests? Do you think about other people's needs? Are you being humble? You know, the media does not obey these two scriptures. 
It does not. It says things that get us all wound up. If you watch CNN and you watch other TV shows, you think the world's about to just be destroyed tomorrow. Just boom, it's just going to explode. But then I turn off the TV and I start to open up my Bible and have a quiet time and I see God moving powerfully when he's changing and saving lives every day. You know, you got to be careful what you're listening to and what you're watching. Am I saying it's a sin to watch TV and the radio? No, I'm not saying that. But I am saying though is, I want you to stop and think, whatever you're watching or listening to, is it getting you all revved up? Is it? Is it affecting you? Is it affecting the way you think and the way you see people? You know, you got to also ask yourself, hey, are you, are you able to discern the difference between truth and fiction? You also have to be able to ask yourself, because it's not just the media, we got social media. This is where I get to play. I get to put out there what I want to put out there. I got some news to report too. You know, okay, well, really. You know, remember, whatever you post on social media, you can't take that back. It's gone. And the damage has been done with it. You know, guys, on social media, we got to act like Christians on social media. It is the command of God. God it's not like I can be, be a Christian with you face to face. But when I go online, God doesn't know I'm behind this little computer. He knows you're back there. God knows what you wrote. I want you to treat every day like on Judgment Day. God is going to do a printout of everything you say on social media and say, let's go through every word, man. Because I have a command of you slander no one. You respect authority. And you're going to be peaceable, and you're going to be considerate. And let's talk about right now, did this happen online? How many years are I going to have to go through stuff? You're like, God, how long is this judgment going to last? Oh, but we're going to be here until we get through every bit of it. Because did you think I was not watching what you were posting online? You know, we have to be wise. We have to be considerate before you post something and say something. You know? Because we've all been there where you're texting somebody and you go, oops, I went to the wrong person, right? <laughs> we've all been there. We gotta be like Christ at all times. So get the next one. He says, show humility towards all men. All men is all men, right? What, is, what does humility mean? Well, another Bible version used the word gentleness. So part of it is our tone. The tone in which you speak to people. You know, what tone do you use? You know, when you're too strong, it can really intimidate people. When you're too strong, it can make people be afraid of you. But some people like that. Because then I get to bully the conversation. And I get to get my point across and I get to be right because I like to say it in a strong tone and people are a little bit intimidated by that and they usually just shake their head and they kind of go along with it. And amen, I feel like I'm right. Even though in their hearts they're thinking, I need to get away from you because you're a little intimidating, okay? So you got to ask yourself when you speak to people, are you gentle? Hey, Marys, are we gentle when we speak to our spouse? You know, do we speak to them with a gentle tone? Do we show humility? You know, another part of humility is listening. You got to listen with the purpose of I'm seeking to understand what they're saying. Then to be understood. Which means I'm going to need to ask some more questions. I'm going to need clarification about the situation there. Uh, I don't have all my facts straight just yet. Before I say something, maybe I need to realize there's something I'm missing in my thought process here. 
That means also we need to be open-minded to different ideas, to something that's different than what you already think. You know, can you be persuaded to change your mind on issues? Can you be persuaded? Can you be persuaded to even change your mind about certain doctrinal issues you may be wrong about? No, there's no way I'm wrong about anything. I know I got everything I think about the Bible is right. Really? Really? That's called pride. You know, one of the, the biggest obstacles in people's way when they're trying to become a disciple is pride. When we start to think, I already know the Bible, I already know about Jesus, I already know I'm right with God, and we're not approaching God and other people with the humility of, there may be something I'm missing, so I may want to listen right now. I may want to listen. There may be something God's trying to tell me. I don't want to miss this. God speaks through people. You know, that means you've got to consider input from other people. What if I don't agree with the input? Then you really need to be listening. If you disagree with it. You need to listen even more, not less. Now, do you consider what people have to say? Do you go, hmm, let me think about this. I don't know if that sounds right, but you know, let me keep reconsidering. Because maybe I'm missing something here. Or are you quick to cut them off and state your point? You know, Chris Rock said, listen, let it swirl around in your head. Then form your opinion. No normal, decent person is one thing, okay? I appreciate that, Chris. You know? <laughs> Let it swirl around in your head a little bit, okay? Think about what they're saying here. You know, are you approachable? Are people scared to correct you on stuff? Are people intimidated by you? Nah, man, the door's always open. Really? Then when was the last time people corrected you and brought some things to your attention? How often does it happen? That kind of tells you a little bit how comfortable people feel with giving you criticism and feedback. You know, you don't ever want to become the kind of person that people are afraid to correct you because you're a little bit defensive. And so now no one corrects you about anything. And now all your friends are just yes men. And now people are just telling you what you want to hear. You don't really have real friendships. And that's not going to help you to change and grow and become like Christ. You, you, you got to welcome people who disagree with you, who have a correction for you, people who, uh, who disagree with you. you got to welcome those people into your life. You know, are you quick to apologize? you got to be quick to apologize, quick to admit you're wrong. You know, I just want to close out with saying, hey, Paul, Paul writes to Titus and he writes to us as well. Remind the people, hey, let's be subject to rulers and authorities. Amen? Yes. Let's be ready to do whatever is good. Amen? Yes. Let's slander no one. Amen? Be peaceable and considerate. Amen? And to show true humility towards all men. Amen? I want to close out with this awesome quote here from C.S. Lewis. He says, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Let's do this week here. Let's make sure we're being humble and thinking of ourselves less this week. To God be the glory, guys. Amen. Amen.